Almighty Allah states in the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Ala bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub. Indeed, it is with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the hearts find rest, that the hearts find peace. Sadaqallahul Aliyul Azim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Respected elders, brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I sincerely congratulate you on the birth of the crown of the worshippers, the excessive prostrator, Al Imam Ali ibn al Hussein Zain al Abidin, salawatullahi alayhi. May Allah grant us his ziyarah and his shafa'ah and inspire us with his spiritual light. One of the greatest legacies of our fourth Imam is the legacy of spirituality that he gave to humankind. If you are searching for any type of spirituality that brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seek no further than the university of Al-Imam al-Sajjad alayhi salam Allahumma salli ala We find that the Imam alayhi salam truly inspired the world with the spiritual enlightenment that he brought forth, especially after the tragedy of Karbala. That's how the Imam alayhi salam was able to combat the tyrants of his time. Sometimes, you combat the tyrant with a physical sword. Sometimes you combat the tyrant with a spiritual sword. And that's what the Imam salam achieved in his lifetime. Today in our era, you find that there are many people searching for spirituality. We are spiritual human beings. No matter how much these atheists tell you there's no God, there's no soul, the human being has been programmed to find spirituality. So you find many people are in search of spirituality these days. We are in search of enlightenment. But we don't know where to find it. Many of our youth are now trying to seek new methods of enlightenment and spirituality. And so what has become very common in our society today is to go to yoga and meditation as means of spirituality. And therefore, many of our youth have been asking, what is the religious perspective on these new practices? What is the Islamic perspective on the culture of yoga, this modern type of meditation? Is this something that we are critical of? Are there good aspects of it that we can borrow? How can I find my spirituality today in light of these new methods of yoga exercises that are being advocated for in our society? Therefore, in our discussion tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, we will examine and critically analyze the culture of yoga, this new culture of meditation, what is our religious perspective on that? And what do we learn from the hero of this night, the fourth Imam of Ahlul Bayt, Imam Zain al Abidin salam? What do we learn from him when it comes to spirituality? What is 
that gift of spirituality that he gives for humankind. Because I tell you, many of us are not aware of the spiritual program of the fourth Imam of Ahlul Bayt. I guarantee you, most of us do not even implement 5% of the spiritual program that the Imam السلام, has offered us. So we will now critically analyze what is called yoga and new forms of meditation in our society today. Now, what are the concerns? Why is it that some people, some scholars have concerns with yoga? Let's examine the concerns briefly and then let's give our analysis on that. The first concern that is associated with yoga is its origins. When we look at the origins of yoga, we find that it started some 5,000 years ago in northern India. And the first time that we can see the word yoga was used was in the ancient Hindu scriptures, the Rig Veda. We see this word appearing and basically it was a type of spiritual program, a type of spiritual exercise. So one concern that potentially can arise with yoga is its association with Hindu beliefs, with Hindu practices, because that's where it originated from. That is one concern. Another concern associated with many yoga exercises is that many of the poses and the postures and the positions in yoga are dedicated to different Hindu and Buddhist gods. So when you look at Hinduism and you look at Buddhism, and you see their practices of worship, their forms of worship, you see many times they dedicate a certain position to a god. This particular position is aimed at worshiping this god. This other position is aimed at worshiping another god. So that is also an area of concern for us. These positions that are advocated for in society, are they supporting some sort of idolatry or some sort of polytheism of worshiping other gods or not? This is the second potential concern. The third potential concern with yoga and these modern types of meditation is that we find there is a secular effort in our society today to replace religion with these so-called spiritual practices. So when you look at religion, you find that they take the main elements of religion and they repackage it in a secular way to keep people away from religion. I'll give you some examples. Religion is big on prayer. Dua can change many aspects of this universe. This is the power of dua and the power of prayer when you can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are no limitations, Allah can do anything. This is a belief system that we have in the Holy Quran. In our modern society, how did they replace this? They replaced this with something called manifestation. Have you seen the youth today on social media? They take this manifestation culture very seriously. So I'm seeing sometimes these youth and I'm analyzing you know, how they are approaching manifestation. And they'll tell you, look, anything you want in the universe will happen. The universe will give it to you through the law of attraction. All you have to do is make the intention, want something, it'll happen. And I'm sometimes asking them, 
How is it happening? Who's going to give it to you? The universe is going to give it to me. And I say to them, really? The universe? Who's the universe? Who are you referring to in the universe? Are you talking about some collection of stars out there? You call them the universe? Is it a planet out there? Is it all of them combined? What exactly do you mean by the word universe? Subhanallah. It's an attempt to replace God with the universe. Just put God out of the picture. Put religion out of the picture. And then you see some very interesting practices too within manifestation. One of those practices is scripting. Write what you want and you'll get it. And write it in a certain way. They have different rules for that. Subhanallah, religion tells you one of the way to get your hajat is to write them in a dua. Or when it comes to the 12th Imam, write the aridha and send it, you know, to the Imam alayhi salam by putting it in a body of water. You see, they have taken the elements of religion, they've repackaged it in a very secular way. So there is this attempt, peace religion with these new practices. Now in religion we have salah. Salah is a collection of positions, right? You stand, you bow, there is the prostration, the sujood, even the way you sit. Have you seen the believers sometimes when they're sitting in their tashahud? We have the tawarruk type of sitting where it's mustahab. You kind of lean towards your right side. That is a type of stretching during your salah. The beautiful religion of Islam gives you these different positions. But now let's replace it with these yoga moves. And I can replace religion with anything that I want. This is the third concern. That we find many of our youth today, they are saying, why do I re need religion anymore? In religion, you teach me that you need God to get what you want. The universe will give it to me. In religion, you teach me these different acts of salah. I have yoga moves that will teach me. I don't need the spirituality of Islam anymore. I can find spirituality in some other methods. And that's why today there's a very big movement that's growing and growing. It's called spiritual but not religious i'm spiritual but i'm not religious i don't need to follow any religion i can figure out my own spirituality this movement is growing bigger and bigger day by day so these are some very common concerns that we find with the culture of yoga and with this new culture of meditation i just stated to you what the concerns are based on the analysis of many people now let's present our own analysis and see what we can learn from our fourth Imam salam in this regard. When we look at yoga today, my dear brothers and sisters, we find that it has two dimensions. It's critical for us to decipher between these two dimensions. Many people blindly go into yoga not being able to differentiate between these two dimensions. There is one dimension that is basically a collection of physical exercises or certain physical techniques. And it comes with nothing more than that. Such as, for instance, certain types of breathing, right? One very common yoga exercise is breathing. How you control your breathing, how you breathe, how you achieve calmness through breathing. How can you treat your anxiety through breathing? Or sometimes there are different postures or poses. Have you heard of the child pose? The child pose is recommended by many experts and doctors for those who have back pain, for instance. So one 
part of yoga is simply physical exercises. It's like you run, you jog, you lift weights, you run on the treadmill, you do the child pose, you do breathing exercises. This part of yoga, we don't find any objection to because these are practices that have been proven by many doctors, many physicians, many physical therapists to be truly effective. It's a type of stretch that you're doing. That's it. It's just a physical exercise and nothing more. This aspect of yoga is fine. We don't have any objection to that. However, there is the second dimension that is questionable, that is concerning. And for many people, they cannot separate between these two dimensions. You go out there and you take it as a full package. Many of these yoga classes that are offered out there in society, they combine between this first side, which is fine, there's no objection to it, with other aspects of yoga that are questionable. Because then you find the influences of other ideologies creeping into such programs, creeping into such exercises. I will share with you what's concerning about these practices. What's concerning about these practices is the entire culture of it with some of the elements that they add to it to enhance the experience. For instance, you find that in many yoga classes, there is music to enhance the experience. There are dances that enhance the experience. And many times you find that you have in one class, men and women, engaging in these dances and believe me many times they're not dressed appropriately they're way they're wearing very tight clothing and they're doing all these stretches in front of you that is not a proper moral environment to be in now when you speak to the youth you know be careful about going to these places what's the matter with you i'm just going and doing physical exercises why are you being rough on me it's not just a physical exercise it's an entire package that you're subscribing to. Are you aware what's happening to your spirit and your soul? My dear brothers and sisters, the only way to seek spirituality is through Allah and Ahlul Bayt because Allah is the one who created our soul and no one other than Him knows how the soul functions because the Quran tells us they asked Allah about the ruh. Through the Prophet They ask you about the ruh. What was the response of Allah? See, when it comes to many things, Allah explains it. They ask you about prayer. This is how you pray. This is how you fast during the month of Ramadan. This is how you do the hajj. Allah has explained it to us. But when it comes to the ruh, what is the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Say the ruh is the domain of my Lord. That's not your domain. You human being, you can experiment with the physical aspect of your life. You can go to the lab, experiment what works and not. You can experiment between elements and chemicals and see what works and what doesn't work. But when it comes to the ruh, when it comes to the spirituality, that is the domain of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You take what He says about spirituality. You take His program for spirituality because you don't have access to that realm except through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So any experimentation you're doing, you could end up harming yourself, not benefiting your spirituality. 
So if you're going for these exercises to control your breathing, to relax, that's fine. If you're searching for spirituality, my dear brothers and sisters, I say it with honesty and humbleness because we have more and more of our youth in our communities being interested in these practices and they're being active in these practices. If you're going to yoga and these meditation sessions for spirituality, I say it with humbleness and honesty, you're not in the right place. Who those who are running these classes, what do they know about spirituality? Did Allah give them revelation? Are they going through the Holy Quran or through the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt? That is the only area where you can get trusted spirituality. Any other forms of spirituality can prove to be damaging, can prove to be destructive to the spirit because you don't know what the conditions are for the spirit. We don't know what the conditions are for the realm of the soul and the spirituality. Therefore, we have to take only that which is trusted, that which your manufacturer knows and who's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a very important point, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, some people will tell you, but I went to these programs. I felt good. I felt spiritual. That's the deception. You think you have become more spiritual. But that can be only an illusion. Just like music. Today, my dear brothers and sisters, look at experts. Believe me, there are even doctors. They tell you music is good. Go listen to music. Music changes your mood. Music lets you relax. But then look at the statistics. Prolonged exposure to music, what does it do? We have a beautiful hadith from the commander of the faithful, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam. In which he states, Prolonged exposure to singing music industry, right? It leads to faqr. What's faqr? Poverty. I remember once a young man came up to me. He told me, Sayyid, do you really believe in this stuff? Astaghfirullah. He calls the hadith of the Ahlul Bayt stuff. I told him, what do you mean? He says, do you really believe in this hadith? I said, yes, it's from the commander of the faithful. Of course I accept it. He said, but it doesn't make any sense. I said, why? He says, how does it lead to poverty? Look at the singers and the musicians. They're the richest of the rich in our society. And they have all that attention. They have all that following. They're rich. How does this hadith state that they're poor? I told him, you've misunderstood what the imam here means with poverty. You're looking at poverty only from a materialistic perspective. That's not the meaning of fuck and poverty. Come to the statistics, I'll show you. I told him here in front of me, Google this research. Google these statistics. The UK did a study on depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts, suicidal rates in the UK. They found that the average population, on average, 19% of the British population suffer from depression as a disease. You know, sometimes we get depressed for a few days, for a few weeks, and then we're okay. That's not a disease, but sometimes it becomes chronic depression. That's a disease. So 19% of the British, they suffer from depression as a disease. Then they looked at subcategories. Let's look at engineers, let's look at doctors, let's look at actors, let's look at singers and musicians to see what are the rates of depression amongst them. This study done by the UK government, an official study, you can Google it. It revealed that while the average population 
19% of them suffers from depression. When they looked at musicians and singers, they saw that that figure was at 74%. 74% of musicians and singers suffer from depression and suicidal thoughts and anxiety. And they have one of the highest rates of suicide in society. Why? Money, they have all the money. Fame, they have all the fame. Following, recognition, they have all of that. What's missing in their lives? Subhanallah. Spiritually, they're depleted. Spiritually, they're faqir. They have poverty. Now you understand the hadith of Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam. So it's very important. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. So don't be deceived by, by the outside appearance. They tell you, come, I'll give you spirituality through yoga. You don't know what you're subscribing to. Maybe in the beginning it feels good. You feel high like a drug. But then over the years you could be damaging your spirituality. So that whole culture, my dear brothers and sisters, of having music, of having dances in one classroom, that is something we are critical of. Even today, our youth go to the gym. They have to put something in their ears, you know, those ear pods, and they have to listen to music. Subhanallah, see what the shaitan is doing to our society. You're going just for a physical exercise, but you can't do it unless you put music in your ears. This is the culture that has been created in our society today. I know some youth, they say, Sayyid, I can't work out without my music. I can't do it. It's just not possible. Really? You cannot do it? Who told you you cannot do it? How many times have you really tried it? Or are you just going with the flow? So this is one area, my dear brothers and sisters, that we are critical of. We have to decipher, be smart, decipher between these types of yoga. Those strictly physical acts like breathing techniques and certain postures, that's fine. We cannot, you know, find it all objectionable. But when it comes to the full package where you're going there for spirituality, that's where it can be destructive. That's where it could generate an unhealthy spiritual sphere and you don't even know about it. You think you're going there to be spiritual. And then many times, many of these spiritual exercises, they involve the manipulation of the brain. You know, the brain has waves. You have the beta waves. You have the gamma ray waves. You have the alpha waves. They try to manipulate that. Now engage in this meditation and you will go from beta to alpha. Beta is when you're completely conscious and you're thinking. Whereas the alpha is when you're more relaxed. Let's do that for you. Honestly, when you're going into that realm, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Maybe manipulating these waves, brain waves, in that particular way, not coming directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Ahlul Bayt, that could be having a negative influence on your spirituality in some way. Just because you initially feel good does not necessarily mean that this exercise is good. Because again, it could be an illusion. It could be like a drug that when you take it, you feel good, you're high. But then over time, it leaves a negative consequence on you. So this is an area, my dear brothers and sisters, that we need to raise more awareness about. I say this because today our Muslim communities are embracing yoga, are embracing meditation. Many of our youth are flocking to these programs. But we're not able to decipher what's healthy, what's not healthy. 
But if you're looking for spirituality, go to the door of the hero of tonight. Al-Imam Zayn al-Abideen salawatullahi Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. When you look at the school of spirituality of Imam Zayn al-Abideen you see that the foundation for it is one that is intellectual. The meditation and the spiritual practices, if they're not based on a strong theological and intellectual foundation, they are not godly. They are not divine and they will not take you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I will say this firmly. That's why the Islamic meditation is one that is based on tafakkur. In the modern type of meditation, sometimes for an hour you do nothing. Sometimes I've asked those people who meditate for like an hour, two hours. I have a friend in Michigan who was interested in this whole meditation thing. And he told me, say it on the weekends, I feel great. I'm doing this meditation for two hours on a Sunday. I told him, okay, explain it to me. What happens during this meditation? When you close your eyes and you're sitting in that, you know, signature posture, right? What exactly are you thinking of? He says, Sayyid, I don't think of anything. For an hour, I don't think of anything. I remove the mental chatter from my brain. I put everything out and I don't think of anything. I told him that's not Islamic meditation. The Islamic meditation is every moment you're consciously thinking of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're consciously thinking of yourself and your day and you evaluate yourself. You evaluate your sins and your deeds. We don't have any hadith from the Prophet or the Imams or any of their righteous companions who sat there for two hours doing nothing. Where are you getting this from? In fact, when you sit there and you're doing nothing, I think you may be even opening a window for shaitan to come and whisper into your brain because you've emptied it for him. What's the intention behind that? That may not be purposeful meditation. Meditation in Islam is based on tafakkur. Listen to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah Ali Imran. In these beautiful verses. And I want you to know the context behind these verses, my dear brothers and sisters. On the night of Hijrah, the Prophet goes to Quba, Imam Ali and Lady Fatima and his mother Fatima bint Asad and Fatima, the daughter of Zubair, their cousin, they stay in Mecca. After the Imam fulfills his responsibility, he heads with the Fawatim, with the three Fatimas, they go towards Quba. As the Imam goes from one village to another village, as Lady Fatima goes from one village to another village, going north towards Medina, they contemplate. They see the beautiful night. They see the stars in the night. They begin to engage in purposeful contemplation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states that in Surah Ali Imran, that when you look at the universe, how the night comes after the day. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you these signs. These signs are for who? Li'ulil albab. Those who have the intellect. What does ulil albab do? Alladheena. What do they do, my dear brothers and sisters? We've memorized this verse in Surah Ali Imran. What do they do? The ulil albab, what do they do? Alladheena yadhkuroon Allah. Number one, Allah has to be there actively. When you meditate, the first thing on your mind is Allah. Allah is the center of the universe. Allah's presence is here. 
الذين يذكرون الله قياما وقعودا وعلى جنوبهم while standing they think of Allah while sitting they think of Allah while lying to their side they think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's the meditation they engage in tafakkur they contemplate this universe this creation oh allah you have not created this in vain subhanaka glory be to you protect us from the fire of hell this is the meditation that imam ali السلام, and lady fatima engaged in when they arrived in Quba and they met the Prophet the Prophet told them, Allah revealed these verses in Surat Ali Imran in your honor, Ali and Fatima, because on your migration, you were thinking about this universe. You were doing contemplation in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah found it so valuable, he put it in the Holy Quran. That's the beauty of the Ahlul Bayt. So no, when you read these verses, remember they're tied to Imam Ali and Lady Fatima alayhi salam.